us to preserve this for all posterity. Okay, so last week Steve was with us um, before his great tragedy, and he talked to us about understanding that when someone arrives at an issue, okay, and you have an issue with them, and they take a particular position, what does he? What did he say that was like? You remember? Iceberg. An iceberg. Thank you very much. A fellow teacher in the room. Solidarity. I appreciate that. And, and he, he pointed out that, you know, an iceberg, you only see a portion of that, right? And statistics are probably varying, and, and probably the statistics on the part that you can see are going down every day since they're all melting. But um, the idea is that there's more going on below the line than what you can see, right? Both with you and with them. And then he taught you about how to ask questions. What was the one word he asked you not to use when asking questions to discover what's going on below the line? Why? Why? Because there's, some, there's two magic words. That's one of them, why. We're going to talk about the other one today. Okay? This word, why. Because what do you do when you hear the word, why? Yeah, you get defensive, right? Uh, anybody here drive a minivan with little kids in the back? And you hear that word, why? And you know it's not the first one that's going to come out of their mouth and it's just going to keep coming, right? I, I start to shake every time I think about it, right? The word, why? And what were some uh, ways that he told you uh, that might be better to ask those questions? Or to, you know, kind of go below the line with people? Tell me more about. That's good. Anyone remember any others? Tell me more about. Help me. Help me understand. Another one is, of course, this all depends on tone, and he pointed that out. You probably have really good reasons for that, and I want to know more about those. Please help me, right? Those are great ways to do that with somebody. So why is one of those words that can really make people defensive. <coughs> and today we're going to talk about another word that pops up in the course of our problem solving. And today we're going to talk about it in two contexts. We're going to talk about conflict management in two, two contexts. The first, have I done squiggles with you guys? Did I do this already? I'm now getting to the age where I can't remember what I've taught, right? And I, I went back and looked through all my slides and my notes, and I didn't see it, but I never know at this point. Okay. First is this circle. This, this circle is me, and it's you, and it's us on any given day. Now, on any given day, there's something going on inside of us. Maybe we didn't get enough sleep last night. Maybe there's a lot of things we need to do today, and we're wondering how we're going to balance all those things on the Sunday, and isn't this the day of rest, and there's just a lot going on. Or maybe you have deadlines coming up this week, and you know you've got to find time to do all those things. Or you've got a meeting coming up Monday morning and you don't know what's going to be in it. And for all those things, we have these little bitty squiggles going on inside of us. These little bitty red squiggles. And we've all got them, right? Now then, that's one. And we call this intrapersonal. Which is, you know, this fancy shorthand for what's going on inside of your head at any given point in time. We've all got our squiggles. But now we've got two people, uh, father-daughter, a uh, couple, uh, people at work, right? Um, anybody, a neighbor who isn't mowing their grass, and which could be me, I don't know. Um, now we've got two people. Where does my squiggle go? Where's their conflict? Where, where should I put my squiggle? What's that? I was thinking each one. Yeah. Yeah, you can do it here. Where else can I put a squiggle? What's that? Each 
between them. Between them, that's exactly right. And this is Steve's point last week, just presented in a different way. We've got the squiggles now between them, but we've also got our own squiggles. So in the midst of trying to figure out our own junk that's inside of our heads, we've got to figure out what's happening between us. And when we're dealing with our old, own stuff, it can be really hard then to solve what's going on here. Because what below the line, both of us have our issues, and then we have the divide between us. Does everybody see how that's kind of related? So one of the things, and this is the class I teach, and this is going to be like 20 minutes on the class I teach for two weeks. Um, one of the ways we solve this is through negotiation. How many of you love to negotiate? Yes. A few of you. And a few of you are like, I, I love it, but I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say I love it, right? Like, that's okay. That's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. That's hard. And how, so how many of you like negotiating gives you the willies? You'd rather pay sticker price. You would rather just do what the other person says, right? How many of you, right? And going to the car lot just drives you crazy, right? You want to avoid that at all costs. Like Carvana, let's do that. That sounds better. Just bring me the car, do it all online. You're out there too. Um, and there's a reason for that. Some of it goes back to our culture. Some of it goes back to your personality. Some, some of it goes back to mama lied to you a long time ago and just told you to be nice all the time, right? We have those reasons. All right, uh, the first thing I want to do to you today is I want to show you this. I love this. Southwest Airlines speaks to me. They say in a world full of no, we're a plane full of yes. And there's that word, that magic word that we hate, 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 and we've hated it since we could understand the word no. Right? What does a toddler do when you tell them no? Right? What are some things that toddlers do when you tell them no? Tantrums. Tantrum. They literally hit the floor, right? <laughs> they, they cry, they scream, they run away, they throw something. Adults are not like that, right? <laughs> we do that too. Like we hear no and immediately squiggles appear, right? We want to hear yes. That's the brilliance in this advertising campaign is that they tell you yes. So let's, let's do a little exercise with no. Uh, partner up with somebody. It can be your spouse this week. That's fine. Um, and here's what I want you uh, just just real quick, find a partner. Just find it amongst yourselves. Agree that you will be partners. How about you two right here? Okay, you guys are good. I got one guy who needs a partner over here. Do I have an odd number somewhere? Okay, well, it doesn't really work. That's right. Okay, now, I need one of you, one of you to hold out your hand and close your fist. One of you, not both of you. This is not giving knuckles, and don't punch each other, please. Okay, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you one minute to open the other person's fist by any means necessary. Now, people, people with a closed fist, this is negotiation. Don't just open your fist, all right? Make the other person work for it. Go. I'm <laughs> sorry. 
30 seconds. <laughs> 30 seconds, can you do it? You don't have to give in. All right, about 10 seconds. 10 seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, stop. All right. Now then, how many of you were able to open the other person's fist? And I, I saw some neat things. Uh, let me tell you, I do this all over uh, when I go speak or when I have students in, and I've seen a lot of things. Okay, I've seen bribery. Uh, I have seen uh, tickling. I have seen assault. I have seen, I have seen, I have seen people do inappropriate things, okay? Uh, I mean, people have gotten into the floor wrestling. Uh, it's amazing how competitive some people get at this, all right? So let's hear how some of you did it. A crisp one dollar bill. A crisp one dollar There's one in every crowd. Congrats to you. What else? What's that? Food. food. What and what food did you use? Uh, mint gum. Mint gum. That would have worked. Yeah, that would have worked on me. What else? Guilt. Guilt. He kept his fist, but he didn't want his mother. And to prove him, you open it right up. Okay. All right. Wow. <laughs> We're going to unpack why you went to that at some point, like why that was important to you. Uh, what else? Force. Force? I saw this over here. This is a married couple um, for now. And, uh, Bill, were you able to get her hand open? Yes, twice. <laughs> no, it was only twice. It was only once. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so, so Bill pried her hand open. All right, what else? He gave up, so I relaxed my hand. Oh, once he gave up, you didn't feel the need to be so tightly clenched anymore? Okay. Anybody else with a unique way that they open a hand? She asked me nicely. Ah, oh, there it is. There's always one. She asked me nicely, and I want to pay stickers, so I open my hand, right? Okay, good. Now, who did not open their fist? I know one I saw. Okay, and uh, what did he try, and why did it not work with you? He just tried to pry it. Yeah, the other person really wants to keep that fist closed. You're in for a battle, right? What's what's another one back here? Uh, he, uh, yeah, he just tried tickling and stroking and things like that. Do you know each other? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> just making sure. No. <laughs> Offered to open up her fist later if necessary. Oh, she offered a swap, right? You saw right through that nonsense. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't know you're going to ever cash that in, so. Right. All right. So you didn't trust your wife, is what I think. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll just tell deal with that issue. Okay. And was there another one? She offered you 20 bucks. I know, I had to open it for 20 bucks. Yeah, right. And I have 20 bucks. I see. Okay. So, this whole game, 
this whole game is to talk about the word no, right? That closed fist is the word no. And many of you tried to open that fist, and very few people said yes immediately. And so something happened, right? You felt something as you tried to open this fist, a growing sense of frustration with your partner, um, a, a sense of competitiveness took over, a sense of, you. if you had 20 minutes to plan this, you might get really creative, right? But in the moment, something inside of you happened. The word no is a trigger, and it's not unlike when you hear footsteps behind you in a dark alley. It's the same parts of your brain fire, and you go from that rational brain to the reptile brain. How many of you have ever been in an argument with someone who essentially told you no, but with more words or less words sometimes, and 20 minutes later, or in the shower where all great ideas are spun, you think, if only I'd said that, right? Because you're able to come back down. So in the midst of this squiggle, these many more squiggles might appear, right? And as they begin to populate, your ability to think rationally goes down. This is one of the whole problems with negotiating, why some of you hate it, is we don't know how to deal with that. <coughs> All right. There is a clip from one of my favorite shows that I would like to share with you. Season 8, this is called Angry Andy. Can everybody see? Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. I remember being a student thinking about how inept my professors were with technology. Oh. And now I'm a now professor. Okay. This is Angry Andy. Andy is normally incredibly polite. He's been away for a while. He comes back. He's the manager at this point. And he comes back and something's happened. Anybody ever relate to that? Anybody ever have a someone who's told them no and you didn't know what to do with that? No one? No one's dealt with this issue? <laughs> I think the worst part was that she was kind of ignoring you. Oh, yeah. That was what really made me mad. Oh, yeah, the word along with the nonverbal cues of you're not worth my time. Okay. <clears throat> when you hear the word no, how do you feel? How do you react when you hear that word? Anxious. Anxious? Does anybody have any physical cues? Like you, like when you get anxious or when you get a little upset? Hand tremor. Your hands start shaking? That's a good one. What else? Sweating. Sweating? Honest answer. Thank you for that. <laughs> Anyone else? Jaw clenching. Jaw clenching. You get real tense. I don't like to tell this in front of my family, but my ears get really high. 
Like, I can, I can actually feel my ears get hot. Anyone else? I was more like shock. Shock? Yeah. 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 There's a great quote by a president who no one ever talks about. Um, Speak when you're angry and you will make the best speech you'll ever regret. <laughs> that was pretty good. And because, and because, you know, we are a Bible class. Whoever is patient has great understanding. The one who is quick-tempered displays folly. I think, you know, when we talk about the reptile brain, when we say something so quickly in that moment, we usually say the wrong thing. But that wrong thing still hangs out there for eternity, right? So let's talk about negotiation. This is a definition I came up with. It's amalgamated from a lot of other people. Go ahead and read it. Um, and then I want to hear you react to words about this definition that stick out to you. Let me get out of your way. What words jump out at you about that definition? Mixed motive. Tell me about that. Well, when I read it, I think two people are coming, or groups of people are coming with, with different ideas of how they think the outcome, sh what they think the outcome should be, and they've got all kinds of squiggles that are bringing those ideas to the table and motives to the table. That's really good. What does every buyer need? Motivation. What's that? Um, kind of. Let me ask you it the other way, which will make the answer obvious. What does every seller need? A buyer, and every buyer needs a, a seller, right? Now, do both of them want the other party to get the best deal they can? No, you're going to uh, the car lot where some of you are afraid to go. Uh, the person selling the car doesn't want you to get the best deal you can possibly get, and you certainly don't want the car dealership to get, get the best deal they can get, right? But you both need each other to make a deal. Some of you in your relationships, you have something you want and the other person has something they want and they're not compatible. But you're gonna have to find some solution so you need each other. You have to collaborate, but you also have to compete. You remember the game we played? You have to do both those things. There's your mixed motive. So it's two things happening at once and there's your tension. And there's your tension that creates all the problems. What else? Scarce. Scarce. What are some scarce resources in this world? Money. Money. Time. Time. Water in the right place. Water in the right place. Emotions. Emotions can be a scarce resource. Uh, how many of your kids have ever uh, battled for your love and affection? <laughs> right? They need to go along with that energy. Energy, yeah. I mean, you can, look at, you can do that on a global level, water, oil, energy. You can do it on a personal level, you know, time, affection. So good, scarcity. What else? Yeah, I had, I had a, a mentor once tell me that the greatest, I guess, enemies of leadership were time, hands, and fatigue. That's, inter that's interesting. And we never have enough time, never have enough help, you know, bodies to help us sometimes, and then... There's more scarce resources that lead yeah. to problems. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to week one where we talked about we live in a world of one. And we live in a world of no <clears throat> because we live in a world of one. Yes, sir. It's not in that sentence, but I think uh, in sales, it's need. Need? Mm -hmm. Right. 
I think I it's could. It's hard to sell somebody that doesn't need what you're yeah. selling. Yeah, that's good. What else? What else about this that jumps out? Strategic, right? You should have a plan. How many of you have, have ever gone to the car lot without a plan? Tell the truth. <laughs> Some of you have. How many of you have ever gone have ever gone and like researched on uh, you know the, the auto trader websites or have done you know some background or have gone to at least more than one lot? Some of you do that, right? Strategic, you've done a plan. You kind of try to set. How many of you before a big meeting have at least sketched out some notes? as to how you would like that to go at a bare minimum, right? A plan, strategic, that's good. They're, you're gonna offer, they're gonna say, no, what do we do after that? Andy Bernardo's not very strategic, right? Uh, what else you got? What else sticks out? Process. I like that word. Communication process, right? And I think, I think about some of the negotiations I've been in, and we had two different, different processes for a negotiation, or I thought I was negotiating, and they weren't. Right. Right. <laughs> that's a bad moment where you think you're negotiating and that's what you're there for, and it turns out you are not there to negotiate. No, it's just a big wall of no. Yeah, it's just a repetitive no. They got a pocket full of no's. I tell that to my kids all the time. They start asking for something like, I have a pocket full of these no's. You're just going to get it until you're tired. I tell them. Uh, probably not the best parenting technique, but I do that. But sometimes you do that when you're at the front of the minivan. All right, so at any rate, is there anything maybe missing from this definition? The question implies the answer, by the way. Yeah. Great. Maybe the solution to find the, I don't know how to fit that word in there, but uh, finding a mutually agreeable solution. You know, I'm really glad you said that, and I'm going to pick on you because I know I'm like It's actually the exact opposite of that. It's or not. I think these two words are really powerful. How many of you have gotten into a deal, and I go back to the car lot because it's easy because we can all relate to that, but gotten into a moment where you're negotiating on something and you could pull out, but you're in the back room now and there's paper in front of you and you've signed something or you feel like you're, or you're in a relationship and you did not hit the or not button soon enough, right? And it took you a long time to unwind that moment. We forget that we have this right to or not. We have this right to say no. We have this right to step out and we don't have to say yes. So it's a powerful word because sometimes by saying yes, you get a lot more of these. And sometimes by saying no, you actually save yourself a lot of trouble. Does that make sense to everybody? I love Latin. No, I don't. I pretend that I do because I'm educated, right? Um, the Romans could have named anything not easy, right? Like, uh, you know, battling the Visigoths or, you know, taking on uh, the Carthaginians, right? They could have called that negotiation. But what they called negotiation, or literally not easy, was this process of conflict resolution. I mean, they built wonders of the world. The thing that was not easy was this, which I think is really interesting, right? Um, not easy. So now you know that's where the word comes from. So it's not supposed to be easy. 
it's supposed to be hard. There's supposed to be three people in any given classroom who raise their hand and say, ooh, I really like this. Now, what makes negotiations not easy? There's this guy, right? Not Michael Scott, but your boss. There's a power imbalance. That makes it not easy. This is my shorthand for millennials. Or any time you have a generational difference. Can I tell you of my funny millennial story? Okay. Um, we have a millennial in our office. A very strong, independent young lady. And um, she uh, is, is, is the very definition of millennial. Like always looking at the phone or she's got four screens at her desk and she's watching them all at the same time but never a person, okay? And it's amazing. And um, several people in our office, you know, who are faculty, work maybe one day a week from home or they're out doing things, right? And she uh, saw that and even though she's newer, she wanted to be able to do that too. And so one day she goes to our uh, boss, Steve, right? And she sits down and she says, you know, other people work from home uh, every week. Uh, I would like to do that too. And Steve, you guys have met Steve right now. You know, West Texas Steve, uh, pretty blunt Steve, looks at her and says, what part of receptionist don't you understand? <laughs> you receive the people, not at your house, but here. That's your job. Right? So there's, there's this generational difference in Steve's like, man, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm nearing like, not the end, um, but I'm nearing like, you know, the final lap of my career, and I've earned some things by doing that, right? That's his generation. And then he's like, who's this millennial coming to me? Like, I've earned the right to work from home on the days I'm a receptionist, right? That just hits us wrong. And, and generational differences in how we view things hit us the wrong way. Let's not tell Steve I told that story. Um, <laughs> And, here, and here's, here's, uh, here's another one we hate, right? When we know someone's trying to get the most money out of us that they can, or trying to get the most of those scarce resources out of us that they can, or we don't trust this person. Toughest negotiators in the world, little girls. <laughs> they come pre-wired with your operating system and the next version of it, right? Um, I have a Neely. This is not a picture of Neely. Uh, this is a stock Google photo, but um, Neely's better at this than I am. Um, I would love someday for her to teach this class because it would actually be a lot better. Um, and then relationships, right? Relationships, when we care, remember our first chart? When we care about the relationship, and we care about the issue, things can get really tough. Really tough. And what and the problem is, we've played our other game, you know, uh, when we played power play, and that relationship, and it carries over over time, and you learn whether or not you can trust this person, or you're going to get more competitive with them at certain times than others. Makes it tricky. I, uh, I like this. <clears throat> what are some ways that Jesus responded to stress or... I didn't write this, this is interpersonal, but what are some ways that Jesus responded when he felt overloaded, when he was stressed, when the world had told, hurt him no, or things had not worked out the way he maybe wanted them to? What are some things he did? Retreat. 
retreat. Where were some places he went? Do you remember? The garden. He went to the garden. That's one. He knocked down some tables. He did knock down some tables, right? He got a little fed up, knocked over some tables. I think Steve mentioned that in one of his classes. When he, when he was in the desert, just thinking about that. He went to the wilderness? He was, he was, well, in the wilderness, I mean, he, he was, the word was definitely prison, like, on his mind and, and thinking about, you know, because there was no getting out of the wilderness at that point, you know, but that's what he had to fall back on. That's good. What are some other places he went? He went to be with his friends. Yes, that's right. Thank you, that's really good. What else? Yeah. Mostly he went to a quiet place and prayed. He did that several times. Um, I've listed some of those here because I, I want to talk about one skill that I, and I think I'm going to get like through everything on time this week. I'm finally getting this down. Um, this is a picture from a mountain in Israel. And I remembered it last night, and I don't remember it this morning. <laughs> this is Mount Carmel in Israel. Okay. And um, this is one view that, that Jesus may have had or something like it from the mountain. Jesus went up to the mountaintop a lot. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him. When Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Does anybody remember what happened right after that story? Like, what's the next story after he withdraws by a boat to a solitary place? No? I may be wrong, but I think I'm right on this. The disciples are out on a boat. Jesus is off by himself, and there's a storm. And Jesus walks on water. That's the story. That's the so John finds out that uh, Jesus finds out that his cousin's beheaded. He's having a bad day. He goes and prays, and he goes out and performs an amazing miracle and teaches. Jesus went up in there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee, and he went up on the mountain and sat down there. Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and, and led them up on the high mountain when they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. I think of these stories about Jesus going to the mountain a lot of times. One of the cool things about being on a mountain is that you change your view of the world, right? When you're in the valley, and I, I don't mean to be metaphorical there, but it is metaphorical in some ways. When you're in the valley, you know, you see everything at ground level. And there's something about when you're in an airplane or when you're on a mountain and you look down on the world, there's just a natural calming effect there. When you remove yourself from all these squiggles, Right? And you're just there. There's something that even takes some of these away. And I don't know what that is. I can't explain that. The folks who write all these negotiation books, they're all up at Harvard, okay? And they talk about when you're in a tough negotiation and you feel that reptile brain trying to take over, they say this. They say, go to the balcony. <laughs> look, out, look out on the dance floor. You'll have a different idea of what the dance is. I grew up in Arkansas. There's no balconies in Arkansas. <laughs> right? So, you know, I tried to find my Arkansas country version of this. And for me, it's this. 
Um, how many of you, if I told you to close your eyes right now and picture the backyard where you grew up can still see it? There's something about your backyard as a kid, right? Like you know every square foot of that backyard. You know where the holes are. You know where the roots are that stick up. You know where your dog's favorite spot is, right? You know every little piece of that backyard. Um, the first time you climbed a tree, the view changed. And it was a little bit like magic. Because then you looked down and you saw the, the whole thing from a completely different point of view. And climbing a tree was fun because it was your chance to get away, even as a kid. How many of you were tree climbers? I was, right? The thing I want to leave you with today is when you are in a heated moment or when you're in the midst of a no and someone is um, kind of riling you up, maybe it's the world, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's any of the people we showed before, go find a tree. Or if you're from the northeast, a balcony, right? Or a mountaintop. And in doing so, you'll calm yourself down. And let me give you a couple practical um, tips on how to do that, okay? Let's say you're at work and you need to, um, you know, make a decision, but you're really upset. Someone was telling me a story about that just a second ago. It's okay to step out and take a phone call. Say, you know what, I, I need to make a phone call. Now some of you may feel a little weird about that because you don't need to make a phone call. Okay, that's fine. You can say, tell you what, can I just take a brief break before I answer that question? I want to give you the right answer, and I may need to call someone to do that. Or, I need, I need to go to the restroom for a moment. The studies show, you know it's scientific when I say the studies show, <laughs> that taking five to 10 minutes, five to 10 minutes is enough to help you come back down to a rational place. And as Ambrose Bierce told us, not make the speech that you may regret. It helps to eliminate this and help you fix this. Does all that make sense? Okay, that's it for this week. Uh, hopefully Steve's back next week. I won't be here. We're driving to Niagara for fall break. So, you know, hopefully uh, we'd appreciate your prayers to keep us safe because I'm driving my mother and my children in a minivan. So... Um, There'll be lots of squiggles, so. <laughs> Y'all have a great week. Talk to you later.